0: I'm sure she found, like most of us, that being a stepmom is a little bit um, complicated is the, is the code word. Complicated It's a nice word for it. And <laughs> she, had, she was lucky enough to have other stepmom girlfriends. And so they started to get together like every month to have what I'm, I'm just assuming was a major happy hour. And they did that for 10 years and then finally, I assume, finally got it together and said, wait a minute, we need to put all this stuff down because if we're feeling like this, the rest of us is feeling like this which is we all know that and so what they found shockingly among those that are listening that stepmoms tend to have the same issues Uh, my favorite one passive husbands disrespectful stepchildren evil exes greedy lawyers and i like this nosy family interlopers i don't think we have to elaborate and we also know how many step families form every day which is estimated to be about 1300 a day so it's Amazing that um, relative to that number, there's so few of us talking about it, right? All right, Kendall, here we go. Why don't you share with the rest of us your personal story, how you became a stepmom, how long you we were married, how many stepkids, you know, the usual stats?
1: Perfect. Thank you so much again. Well, first of all, aside from just the 1,300 step families, blended families that are forming every day, there are 50. 15 million stepmothers out there. So oh, yeah. we're a huge group. It's unbelievable how many stepmothers are out there, but yet we're relegated to the worst role in D- Disney comes out with. Think about right. it. Cinderella and Snow White. So when we started this, our group, so I've been a stepmother for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. All those years ago, you couldn't even say the word stepmother. It wasn't even talked about. You right. were literally isolated in the corner of a room. So as becoming a stepmother with children as as toddlers and then becoming a biological mother a year later, there was Mm -hmm. just no place to turn from a standpoint of other people that I could talk to. And over time I met a group of friends who had children and stepchildren and our common thread was the fact that we were stepmothers and we started to get together on a regular basis just helping one another, laughing together, crying at times, asking each other, how do you deal with certain challenges? And we, in essence, formed our own group because there wasn't a stepmoms group out there, and there still really aren't. There are books, very good books that we all learned from, but there was no guide, no, like, real girlfriend guide that's in the trenches that are down there, slugging it out day in, day out with the highs, the lows, the happies, and the sads. And we ultimately would get together, talk about what's the latest book out there about stepmoms. We would go to our local bookstores, and there wouldn't be anything. And one time, after many margaritas, (laughs) we literally turned over, placed cocktail napkins, and said, hey, wouldn't it have been great to know a lot of these things that we talk about day in, day out with each other? ahead of time, before we became stepmothers, and we turned over the placemat and literally started writing down notes, things that were common to all of us, and here it is, 15 years later, it's actually surreal to have the book in my hand that Mm. we brought it out, and the rave reviews
0: have been fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's well done. Um, and, you know, um, how many stepchildren do you have?
1: Two. I have two stepchildren in their 20s. Okay. And, and uh, one uh, bio-kid?
0: Bio one bio-daughter. Uh, right. Got it. Okay. But, so, yeah, we've both been at it a long time. Um, <laughs> you know what? Um, what I liked about the booklet, it's very, I, in my opinion, fact-based, or at least opinion-based in the fact that it gets right to the point, and um, the one thing that I found that was interesting was that you started the book off right from the get-go talking about money, which I really, really appreciate. Um, even in my book, I, I don't think I did money till like the mid to the, toward the end. And I think it was brilliant to start off with money. And I wondered, um, why would you start with that subject first? I was just curious. Well,
1: even in day-to-day households, families, Mm -hmm. couples fight about money. And Mm -hmm. when you add in a different factor, a blended factor, that really becomes even so much more monumental in terms of how often you have that discussion about money. So we thought, why wait? Let's just get it out there. Talk about money up front, because when you're coming into a relationship with somebody who has children and from a previous relationship and a family, money is going to be sent out the door to the other family, whether it's child support, whether it's through alimony. And knowing that ahead of time, knowing what those dollar amounts are, Mm -hmm. will really help you from fighting about money down the road, because it is what it is. It is in print. It is a court signed document that they're responsible for paying. So it helps you as a stepmother to know, okay, what are the financials going to be that you have to work with within your household?
0: And one of the other things that you said that I think is critical too is to actually read the divorce decree because yes. um, I'm sure you have this in your group. I have it in my practice all the time. A lot of times those divorce decrees are pretty loosey goosey in my opinion. So it may say like things like, you know, you know, sort of paying for quote the extras, do you know what I'm talking about? Like throw so this Oh absolutely Yeah. You may have let's just like you know, your child support might be a thousand dollars a month, whatever it is. But then it says things like you'll pay half of camp, you'll pay half of you know, all of college, you'll pay half of college, you owe them a car, or you don't or even if it's not written to have a conversation about, you know, what does that really look like? Do you agree? Are,
1: oh, I agree. 1,000%. There are so many gray areas. Oh that my gosh. You're almost in shock because all of a sudden you right. see your partner paying for something and you're like, why is that $250 going for ballet lessons? Right. Oh, you're responsible for the tutor? Oh, wait. Right. You don't split camp or even as, as simple as, what time are pickups? There are so many gray areas. What time oh. does school end? What if it's an early dismissal? What if it's a late right. day? Oh,
0: you can see here? that. <laughs> right? You never
1: What's see that. that
0: the other thing, a lot of them don't even deal with college. Correct. These say, uh, hello? <laughs> Want to take a while stack?
1: <laughs> oh, and then the, the big one that you don't realize related to college, it talks about college Tuition, room and board. Correct. What about all the extra? Right. Have you ever tried getting your kid ready to go off to college freshman year? How much uh-huh. spending for that? Oh yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then
1: hotels and plane fares and all of it. That's, <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. That's right. So you know, if if you know, it's it's a lot to know. Like. Going in, and especially if you're a person, then the younger you know, you're, you're young and you're just marrying somebody who has a couple of kids. I mean, you can't even envision what college entails. I mean, it wouldn't even be on your radar, right? It, I mean, that is correct. That's you would have no hard.
1: idea. And that's why the Stepmom's Club is so helpful and why we put all these commonalities together into the book. Because you don't think about these things. There are so many things that we had never thought of. And having each other to help us navigate through this and be able to have these conversations with one another and provide some guidance or provide insight, because you don't know until you're physically in it. And you don't have and, to And you know it. what else?
0: You know, which is money—the emotional money side of things—also is something to watch because we all see, and I'm sure even if you're dating someone or if you're in the early stages of things, the you know the the divorce guilt parent, and this isn't—we're not going to you know get into that, but it's the fact is is that it exists. So when you already have guilt over having a child in a divorce situation. And then you already, on top of that, now have fear that that child may choose never to see you again. Or, and we won't even talk about if you have a high-conflict ex. So we'll not even deal with that. You almost are dealing with someone in terms of your partner that really is not in a position to make sound financial de- decisions. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're already in another s- space and time. They're just, their, their first instinct is to say yes to everything. Absolutely. Don't you agree?
1: I 100% right. agree with that as well. And from the standpoint yeah. point that you're
0: you're watching
1: this happen, because remember it's somewhat like walking into a movie after it's already started. This has been going on before you got there. The dynamics have occurred, and you're trying to play catch up. And then you're also yeah. looking at it from a, a fresh set of eyes, and you say to yourself, "Oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is going on," you know, because like you said, it, it's the emotional aspect of the money too, and the whole emotional aspect of watching the dynamics of the blended family in general, you're coming into it with a different set of eyes. You, right. The emotional tug is not the same and you can take a step back and you think you're providing insight and some sound yeah. advice to your partner, but they're emotionally engaged in something that you weren't
0: even part of at first. Right. And so I think the it's, it leads very easily to an unrealistic view of how much money um, you really need, like, every month to survive. Agreed? I mean, it's a lot. How,
1: how much it is to survive and also knowing if you have a particular lifestyle that you want to lead, will mm-hmm. you be able to lead that? That's also important That's- as well because you might be – working the ex, not working, you're seeing the ex yep. living a lavish lifestyle, and you're scratching your head saying, oh, my gosh, how did I not realize this was going to happen?
0: Right, and then, and then it becomes our emotional um, stuff starts coming in because it doesn't take long before you start to realize, well, wait a minute. You know, even though technically my money's staying in this household, I'm really supporting the other because – his or her money's going out the door, so I'm holding the fort down. Yes. And,
1: you ultimately almost become in a situation where you feel like you are taking on a bigger financial responsibility that you had even realized.
0: Right. Right. And I'm not sure, I mean, I think I think your point is well I'm not really sure that there's a easy solution to it, but you know, you know, buyer beware, I guess going into it, and that's what you're really talking about, right, is really well, knowledge understand is... knowledge is power, right? Exactly. That is exactly it. Yeah. So there was something else you talked about, which is one of my huge pet peeves. So glad my husband's not here. <laughs> um, is this drives me up wall, I almost want to make you scream it to, through the rooftops, but let's go through it. Please explain about we'll start with life insurance policies take it from here <laughs> okay
1: so again think of the analogy of walking into a movie after it's already started and you're trying to play catch up life insurance mm-hmm. many times already if your partner has the life insurance might have the beneficiary still as the ex because some people don't think it of- Or the children. Or the children, exactly.
0: Correct.
1: Or it could be to a third-party entity. You just don't really know. So it's so important to know how things are titled, insurance, wills, trust, bank bank accounts, credit cards. Mm -hmm. But from the insurance aspect alone, too often you hear of the stories, and there are many, that nobody ever checked to see who the beneficiary was. And right. a horrible event happens, and the money mm-hmm. goes to the ex. Correct. Also, and and let will, me... See yeah. yes. The other thing I was going to say is, also, you want to make sure if you're coming into this relationship and you have life insurance, who do you mm-hmm. want that beneficiary to be? Do you want it to mm-hmm. be your partner? If something mm-hmm. happens to your partner down the road, where does that money ultimately lead to? If you're coming into the relationship with a child, if you then together have a child, how do you want the beneficiary to be titled? And maybe it's a situation where there are multiple policies. Just like with trust, everything needs to be spelled out
0: exactly as how you want it. Correct. And it's great if you can think that through ahead of time. I know that's unrealistic but if you haven't done it you're listening to this and you you know you realize you you've never had these conversations cuz let me let me just reiterate I'm sure many people know but life insurance policies you know might be a policy that just comes with employment may not be like through an agent or you have a separate docu- document many people have work and that's one of their benefits and they filled it out ages ago and there you go and then another thing that can have a beneficiary is 401k plans um, at work or anything that has where you sign a document we're going to leave to someone, you really need to have this conversation. And, and let, me, let me just add this. This is just drives me crazy, so I'm going to be talking about this. But, you know, the other thing is you think about this. If the, bene, if the beneficiary is the ex, usually with your partner, you know, they're not – I don't think they're going to have much of an issue – taking her off and putting you on or putting someone else on. But I'll tell you right now, if that beneficiary has been changed and they're leaving it to their children, I think you have a good chance that you're going to have a battle on your hands. Because remember, you're like kind of in the situation, you know, you're dealing with someone who's been divorced. They've already been through that rodeo and they want to leave something to your children, to to their children, which it's not wrong or right. I'm just, getting a little bit of reality around it. Don't you agree, Kendall, it's it's like that? I agree. Um, And there's
1: another aspect to think about, too. Sometimes in divorce decrees, there's a statement uh, where there has to be life insurance policy uh, where the beneficiary uh, actually goes uh, directly to uh, the children or to the act to take care of the children. And if that's the case, there is nothing you can do about it. There is no reason to argue about it. There's no reason to discuss it. It just is what it is, right.
0: and that that's is why to your.
1: No, no. I was going to say to your point. Read the divorce decree. Exactly, because uh, everything is mapped out, black and white,
0: clear. Very naked, common, unless you want to go back and and, and, and here's the other thing too. Um, um, insurance, as much as like, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked or you're sitting there going, oh my god. Um, let me, let me give you the positive side of insurance. Insurance can also be an, an avenue upon which you can make yourself feel safe as well. So especially if you're young listening to this, like it won't be that expensive, but if, I know that step-family life is so is so expensive and it sounds foolish to say it, but if there's any way that you can take out additional policies for that will cover you, you the stepmom, you the new family, I don't know how you – define you and so that so that you would feel more comfortable so if you know as we say god forbid anything happens that there's some coverage for you it's a great way to cover yourself too so don't ever forget about insurance it's, it's really a great
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, on top yeah. of that too don't forget about long term
1: care insurance because the younger yes. you are and you purchase long term care insurance typically the less expensive it is. The longer you wait, the more expensive it is. So that's also something to think in the back of your mind, not just life insurance. What happens if there's an age disparity and your partner needs some type of care? Are you now going to be re- fully responsible for that person's care if they go into some type of living facility?
0: Or, or on the flip side, what about care? Right. right. So mm-hmm. right now you like, and this is not necessarily reality when you go into the real adult world. Because my stepchildren are now all kind of pushing forty, but you know, and but it, you know, can you imagine your views right now if you're raising teenagers or t- if toddlers anything, and you're thinking, oh my god, like these people are going to turn out to be like axe murders or something, you know, and mm-hmm. then envision that person if something happens to you, like who's going to take care of you, so. Um, it, 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 most people would, you know, who knows what the future is going to bring, but it's not a good bet. So you, if nothing else, you should get it on yourself. Agreed? Hundred,
1: Absolutely 100, agree 100%. And we even talked right? about this in the Stepmoms Club, work with a financial professional. There are so many avenues and aspects of even your IRA account. I mean, if you were an individual mm-hmm. who was at one job, you had a 401K, and you left it there or rolled it to an IRA account and, or your partner had it from a previous relationship, you still don't know who the beneficiary is. You might right. have forgotten about it. So same aspect. A financial advisor can help you understand all different titling responsibilities related to any form of financial services piece of paper that you have.
0: Right. And the other thing, too, is that what's really – I advise all my clients who come to me with Money Matters, if there's any way to get a third party, it will make things so much easier. First of all, uh, you know, and don't get disheartened if – Sometimes it's just like finding a therapist or anything. Like sometimes you don't find the right financial planner right up front, but keep trying until you find someone that you both trust and like. And that takes a lot of the burden off of you constantly feeling the need because you don't feel safe to be lecturing about what you need to have happen. Let them talk to both of you, and they are more knowledgeable about creative solutions. Let them do it. It's it's so important. Especially in this
1: changing environment, rules and regulations change all the time. Having that third oh, party really provides that insight as to things that you might not even be thinking about.
0: Right, and every state is different, and along with changing rules and laws. So um, we we just you yeah, know we're both on the same page with that one. Oh, there's nothing happier than when you're going through a drawer and you find a, an old insurance policy and. <laughs> Which happened here? I'd be more than happy to share. Yes. Or
1: you are live in one state, move to another, and you uh, don't apply in the new state that you're in based on what was signed
0: in the old state. Oh, and, and here's one for the ages. For those of you that um, you know might still, you, it's a good thing to ask your partner if somebody still has a safe deposit box. Have you ever done that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, you
1: find a key. Oh, what's
0: this? And guess what? You're not on it. Correct. And not on it,
1: can't have access to it.
0: Can't have. And you may find old papers in there that you know somebody forgot, or they're not even valid anymore. And here you are, like, why are they even here? You know, it's confusing. And like we kind of have a policy, I, you know, around here that says, you know, think about the kids finding that file. Would it be clear? You know. Would anything, any of these papers be clear to them? It's unfair to leave it, you know, to leave it um, to anybody where the rules and regs are unclear. So, all right, we'll move on from finances. Find those life insurance policies. Okay. Okay, we got to move on to the X, everyone's favorite subject. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and you had some really, I thought, um, great views and maybe even a little bit of a few different. Views about communicating with the ex, um, you know, that's a very common question that comes up, you know, on the websites, et cetera, et cetera, is, you know, should I communicate with her? Should I go to coffee with her? Should I, you know, so I'll let you take this one. What's your stance on it?
1: First, we really, really feel strongly that if you try to focus on the child and let that be your guide it will help you in, tr- in trying, and I say trying with capital mm-hmm. letters, to have some form of a decent verbal communication with the ex. For the sake right. of the children. You don't have to be friends, but for the sake of the children, do what you can. And it's going to be trial and error. Mm-hmm. There are going to be situations where you can get along and you can be civil, and then there are situations that we've heard, all of us, that there Mm -hmm. is just no way, no how that will ever happen. But Mm -hmm. if you could put yourself in their shoes for even a nanosecond, even if the shoes don't fit, it -hmm. will just help by putting the children first. And we strongly believe that because think of it this way. The children didn't ask for this. They didn't wake up one morning and say, oh, I want to be in a blended family. (laughs) They're struggling too. Mm -hmm. But it's easier for everybody if you can at least have some – form of a decent relationship with the ex.
0: And especially um, if you're in written communication or texting, um, talking in terms of what's best for the children, not in a lecturing way, but um, I often find it's also best you know, like in a way where you still, even if, you know, regardless of what you're thinking in your head, put that aside, speak to her in a respectful tone and and write in a respectful tone Always kind of deferring, but you know what I mean. Like, what you know, I was thinking. What do you think? You know. Oh, always that open question
1: communication, trying to engage and get their opinion as well, though, as opposed to dictating. Because I think that will feel more welcoming to the ex. I mean, we writing the letter from the standpoint of. You know, the ex to the stepmom and the stepmom to the ex. We're really trying to help stepmothers Mm -hmm. understand what it's like to be the bio mom in that situation. Mm -hmm. And if you can be in the form of a question when you're asking, whether it's email or texting or even when you're with the ex and the children are involved and watching, because they're always watching. What is amazing to me is how often that people don't realize these children are watching every move you make. And by keeping their best interest at heart, as hard as it is, and it's really mm-hmm. hard because we've had a lot of margaritas and alcohol over it. I bet. It does help the situation. But there's no one right answer. It's through trial and error.
0: Mm -hmm. And I know you talked about, like, cases where you, you know, a stepmom may reach the conclusion, and the mom, that there will be no relationship between the two women. Um, What's your position on that? Be cordial. That's all
1: you can ask for, if nothing else. If if the two of you have come to the conclusion, maybe that's not what you wanted it to be, but the conclusion has been had that you will never get along, okay, don't be friends. It happens in every family. It happens in non-blended families. Sometimes you're just not going to get along. But if you just be cordial for the sake of the kids, then you're ahead of the game. And I
0: loved the expression. I had a different one. Um, I used to call it, I have my divorce, you have yours, you know. Twain don't meet kind of thing. You called it his monkey, his circus. Why don't you expand on that for everyone so that they're clear?
1: (laughs) So it's a little bit of not my monkey, not my circus. There are times when literally you want to bang your head against the wall and you realize, oh, my gosh, there is absolutely nothing whatsoever I can do in this situation. And so instead of banging your head against the wall, you literally take a step back and you realize that it's healthier for me as the stepmother to really let it go and know that this is not my circus. This monkey doesn't belong to me. And no matter what I do, I can't get the circus to continue
0: in the way that I want it to. Yeah, and... And, you know, I don't know, um, this syndrome I find happens a lot that um, and maybe it's only the stepmoms I meet, but it tends to be like a lot of stepmoms are, might be a little type A and we, we maybe command and control or we, have, we think we have a lot of great ideas, you know, and things like that. And, um, um, and our partners, like, love that about us, theoretically, <laughs> in theory. And then figure that we'll do the talking. You know, we'll do all the talking to the X. We'll do all the arranging. We'll do it all. And before you know it, because you tend to like that kind of thing, next thing you know, you're handling way too much than you should be. Don't right, fall for putting, it. Right, you're putting way too much on your plate, and
1: you realize if I don't bang my head against the wall, then my head won't hurt. So yeah, you know, and I'm then. Putting, all this on your plate, stop. I mean, we're our own worst enemies at times as stepmothers. Because we're trying to be everything to everyone and do everything. Right.
0: And oh, yeah. and the other Yeah. And the other thing is that um um is that we you know it's almost like our natural tendency to kind of take charge, if you will, if we tend to be that those kinds of people. And then when you start realizing that you're doing too much and you start Explaining it to your partner and saying no, you need to handle this. They'll get pissed at you. <laughs> Why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid of the ex. They're afraid of losing their children. They don't. They don't want to do it. So you have to keep repeating the mantra. Of whatever I, uh, you know, whatever it's your monkey, your divorce. You know, short mantras like that to remember. Nope. Uh uh-uh, uh This is yours. And coming so up it, with
1: a mantra helps you. It really does. It does. does. And then it it, as you form your own stepmoms club and you're talking with other stepmothers, each of you will remind the other of what their mantra is that works, because right. sometimes you need your girlfriend to reel you back in and give you that little reality check.
0: Right. And and the other thing, too, is, you know, this is circling back a little bit about having no relationship, um, if that's what's best for your family with the ex, and, you know, as women, you know, what's our main purpose in life is to bond with other people and to be friends with people. That's just part of our anthropological background. So it's hard to, you know, to hear those words, to have no relationship or to have one that may not be the most positive in the world. That causes us a lot of angst because we're not, it feels like we're not belonging. So another mantra could be, it's okay to have no relationship. I mean, you don't have a relationship with every woman on the planet, so it's okay not to have a relationship. It so, is
1: absolutely okay and and not feel guilty about that. No. That's something we hear so often. I feel badly, I feel guilty. I don't know yeah. why we can't get along. Well sticks and stones, okay, it's whatever. It you're just not. And it's okay right.
0: to have it be that way and do not beat yourself up over it. Oh like, no, no, no. Absolutely. It's just a new way of thinking. You're not friends with every single person on the planet. Why, you know, why would you even think that you should be? So it's just something that's ingrained in women's heads from the beginning. Um, But it's it's so
1: hard to let go. It it really is. And that's something we have found as we've talked and worked with other stepmothers and had them come in our club and they've moved away and all these conversations is knowing and feeling it is okay.
0: Right. Absolutely, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. Say, um, and so when um, stepchildren come home and tell you that their mom, uh, their mommy hates you and I hate you, you know, one of the common. Speaking of a mantra, my mommy hates you and I hate you. How do you think you should respond to that one? Because it comes up all the time. It comes up very often and. Uh,
1: the answer should be what works for you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry your mommy feels that way. Mm -hmm. I love you. I am here for you. Just knowing that that at some point can come up and having a ready response that works for you is what is so important. And that's why we say These things will come up. We just don't know when they're going to come up. But don't get caught flat-footed like so many of us did. And even if you're at a point where you don't love your stepchildren or it's still so new, it's okay to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. I am Mm -hmm. here for you.
0: Exactly right. Yeah, and if you're from the South, this is where bless your heart could work too. (laughs) (laughs) Bless your heart. And here's another common one, feeling major anxiety whenever you see the ex or even if you hear about her, and especially when you have to go to an event where you know she's going to be there, and you're just overcome with anxiety. What would the group say to that? We hear
1: this one so often because there could be times that you will see the ex maybe five days during the week. It could be school events. Athletic events, things that are happening on the weekend, play dates, you name it. You can see your partner's ex that often in a week. Mm-hmm. And you have to disengage. Come up with a mantra in your head, like not my monkey, not my circus, or just work on what's going to be good for yourself. And maybe it's not being there. Respectfully decline an invitation. Mm-hmm. That's another one because yeah, you, if you right. are someone who is so upset or there is so much anxiety or there is so much conflict, then bow out gracefully. It gets back to they, you don't
0: have to be everywhere and do everything for everyone. That's exactly. okay. That's okay, right. And that's another one that's in our heads. Got to be at everything. And why are we doing it? Um, maybe. Maybe we think we're doing it to show our partners that we love them. And that's the other part. Their partner will be pushing you to be there because they've got the fantasy in their heads that it's going to be this big, happy family. And that means being at everything. And you, you know, that somehow that's a symbol that you don't love or care for the children. So that's an old one not to fall for. And, you know, you use the word disengagement. Um, that's a buzz term kind of. Uh, it means a thousand different things in stepmom land. What does it mean to to, to you? Not
1: being at every single solitary event that you're mm-hmm. asked to be at. Mm-hmm. So you get sucked in because you, you're feeling for your, your stepchildren. You want to be there for them. If your partner wants you to be there, at some point, you realize you personally have to take back control of mm-hmm. what is occurring in your life. So for me personally it's not being there for every single solitary event.
0: That's great advice.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Just because you're it's, not there doesn't mean you don't love them or you don't care. But it's bioparents
0: at everything? I mean exactly. where they you... Oh come on. People work, people have lives. Can't be at everything. That's just something that's gone into, like, the intense parenting workshop uh, manual somewhere that, you know, that and most of the time the kids, I don't know if they, I mean, if you never showed up, the kids would care. But they don't care. You know, so you're not really. To,
1: you need to clear your head sometimes as well And because if, it overwhelms you. Right. Your and if schedule at times is not owned by yourself, and sometimes you just make that, your alone time, whether it's going right. to hot yoga, whether it's going to get a mani-pedi, whether it's going to get drinks with your girlfriend, just because there's something else that you want to do, do not feel guilty that you're not there. And don't let other people make you feel guilty. It's okay to say no.
0: Right. And you know what else? Always remember at the end of the day, bio, step-parents, doesn't matter. Kids are going to do what you do, not what you say. So you, this would always help me. This is like my mantra. I would just to say, they're going to do what they see me do, not what I'm saying. Do I really want all these kids to see me, like, doing every, going to everything and feeling that they have to be at everything? Do I really want to show the kids that I do nothing for myself, that I have no friends? No, you want to show them you have friends, you have hobbies, you have a life, you have a career, whatever those things are. A, you know, you're really parenting by not going.
1: And that's why we talk a lot in the book about don't lose yourself.
0: Too often,
1: people forget their own hobbies. They're so focused on running around and doing things for others that they don't stay in touch with their friends or they're not doing the activities that they had done before. And they're losing a little bit of who they are. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you turn around and, you almost don't see who you're looking at in the mirror.
0: And you know what? If you if you feel that way and you're listening to that right now, step number one: find a girlfriend you love or more than one, and start making a once-a-month date like these women did. You start there. It's happy hour. Oh yes. And we're not it coming today. It's happy hour. <laughs> at and we're not coming home of the day. <laughs> Right, there's happy hour somewhere. Um, You know what, you you actually um, alluded to it earlier, but I really wanted you to explain um, to to the stepmoms listening, the letter that is never sent. That's such a powerful tool. Could you explain that to them? I'd be happy to. First of all, there are
1: so many times that you've written a letter in your mind to the bio mom whether it's truly heartfelt, whether it's out of frustration, but you have wanted to write her a letter, you know what? Write it. Write it down and then read it back to yourself. Some of the things that are driving you crazy or that are making you feel angst over or have anxiety over, when you see it in black and white and read it back to yourself, maybe it's not as big of a deal as you first thought it was. And Mm -hmm. if you put it away and then read it at another time after it's been sitting in a drawer someplace and you still feel that you want to send that letter, send it. Put it in writing. Let her see how you feel. Let your partner read it. Maybe your partner will have insight as to how you're feeling that you haven't articulated to your partner. Right, or, right. Or he has no idea or she has no idea. Correct. And by letting somebody else see what you've put in writing mm-hmm. will help you in your relationship because communication is so important, but so, so often we're hesitant to say exactly what we're feeling or thinking because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, what about mm-hmm. ourselves? Right. Put it on paper, read it back to yourself. We have found that exercise for us, our group, to be very cathartic, and we've shared them with each other. We've laughed over oh, them, we've cried over them, and there have been a lot of tears as well—happy tears, sad tears—but it's very cathartic,
0: and uh, therapeutic. It, absolutely, and you know what? I, it, I just remembered something else from the book, and. Um, We've actually done a session on this at Stepmom Retreats, but um, and that is nicknames. Didn't you address nicknames? Yes. Um, I'd love to hear your take on that.
1: <laughs> well, because sometimes if you're in a situation where ears are in close range and you want to say something about the ex or something has occurred and you're you want to talk about it in code, we realized you don't want to say the ex's name in front of the children, your stepchildren or your biological children, or it's something at that particular moment you just had to share. We found that it was also cathartic for stepmoms to have nicknames.
0: Well, you are a brave woman. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess um, our session on nicknames were, I guess my stepmom clients and everything, those nicknames could probably never be spoken in front of children. So um, your group's nicer than ours. (laughs) There are some some names that that
1: could not clearly be be spoken. Um, And then those are nicknames that you hope nobody ever has overheard. But we chose to come up with nicknames that – can be used with anybody in earshot. You just don't realize who you're talking about.
0: All right. I want to let that one go and move on to our partners. You know, um, we've talked, we already alluded to this too about, but I always ask the question that gets asked a lot, why is he such a wuss, especially the men? Why is he such a wuss? We've talked a little bit about it, but what's your take on it? Why, Why can't our partners ever say no? We strongly believe
1: collectively it's the Disneyland dad adage because when the children are with us, mm-hmm. whatever that custody arrangement may be, dad wants it to be a happy time. Dad wants yep. it to be a fun time. Dad wants it to be a good time. So it's always something happening, something going on you're running someplace you're doing something and you realize that they don't want necessarily negativity when the children are around and you realize that they're not taking a stance and it's Mm -hmm. so frustrating and we believe it all goes back to what you had mentioned kind of the guilt aspect the guilt Mm -hmm. that mom and dad got divorced the children are now dealing with two separate households and the reluctancy to really cause waves between dad and the stepchildren.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, And, you know, this also is another one. It's just bad. I mean, it's bad parenting. But how do you you guys ever talk about how you get yourself yourself to stop nagging about it? That takes a lot
1: of practice. We say the bigger the welt in the middle of your tongue, the better you're doing. <laughs> because cause, cause nagging, I mean, you, you, as women, the dog and the bone theory, you know, there's something that is really gnawing at you and you just want to keep talking about it. And you think that if you just keep talking about it over and over again, something will change. And guess what? It doesn't change. So it it goes back to stop banging your head against the wall, let it go, really let it go. Know that it's not going to change and move on. So so much of our get-togethers was about you know helping ourselves, helping Mm -hmm. ourselves know when to let go, right. Right, because it's familiar.
0: It's bad for us mentally and, and physically, and it's terrible for the relationship. But sometimes I think that, like, this notion of a man being a wuss or being, it, it equates to this notion of, of being weak, and then we think less of him. Does that ring a bell, conversation? No,
1: it, I, it, it absolutely does ring a bell, or the flip side of it is they act one way to the ex, and they act another way to you as the stepmother. That's also right. kind of a buzzkill uh. in a relationship, right? Why, why are you like a wallflower in one situation and you have no problem coming straight at me? Why can't you right. that angst or that feeling that you're really not feeling towards me, but you're sending it my way because of the angst and the frustration you have with your ex? Well, take it that direction. We right. talk about that often. It's like, <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's like the dodging bullets. It's like, whoa, I didn't see that one
0: coming. That wasn't for me, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, I used to call it like the phone theory. So, like, no matter what was going on, you know, something we're having—not between us, but just an issue in general. You just came home from work, whatever it is, right? And this—it really is a lovely thing. So, I am not judging it, but you know, any time a kid would call, we could be in the middle, like, you know what? Oh, I love it. Hi. Hi, honey. <laughs> Hi, honey. You know, and then you're like, wait a minute, I, I, I'm honey. <laughs> you know, and, it's like no matter you know, you become just like different person. I know exactly you, what you're talking. Yeah, and then you look <laughs> at them and say, is this the
1: same person I was just talking to? Right. Three seconds ago. Hi,
0: honey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd no kidding. Day? And you know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get the low tones. Everyone else is getting the high, the high octaves. Um, you know, um, you spoke. Um, uh, all of you spoke uh, a bit in the book about house rules, and I wondered if you would address that.
1: This one comes up so regularly. There's two this- aspects of of, ha- of household rules that I think is so important. Number one is focus on what you can control, which meaning in your household, you could have your rules. If those right. rules don't apply at the X's, okay, let it go. Mm-hmm. But in your house, set the rules. Collectively, open communication. Are there going to be chores? Or are there not going to be chores? Do the kids make the bed every day? Do they not make the bed every day? Come up with your rules that you want in your house with your partner and discuss it with the kids. Right. Most kids don't like doing chores. We know that. Adults don't like doing chores. But you know what? We've got to do it. Some chores, kids hate doing less than others. Let them choose what they want their chore to be. But Mm -hmm. you know what? In every situation, there has to be a consequence when it's not met, whatever that rule is, (laughs) in your home don't control or try to control what's happening outside of your home because you'll lose that battle. And But making sure that your partner has your back. We've talked about this over and over again. Mm -hmm. He or she has to have your back. If the rule is nobody gets up from the dinner table without clearing their table and bringing their plates to the sink,
0: rules need to be enforced.
1: Whatever right. that may be. No phones at the dinner table. Somebody brings the phone to the dinner table, what's the consequence? Do you take the right. phone out of their hand? Make a rule that works and stick with it.
0: Does, uh, and what, what happens, and I can hear all the stepmoms yelling, yeah, nice to hear that, but what if he doesn't follow through? Well, that's where it becomes a challenge. If
1: he doesn't follow through, what is your responsibility for having the mm-hmm. consequence? And will he have your back? Because sometimes we find that they just don't want to provide that punishment, but they know it should be needed. And if you're the one who's taking that phone away from the dinner table, you're the one who gets to give the phone back after they've done whatever needs to be done.
0: Good rule. Yep. Yeah, you know, um, because I think that's a real common one. We don't want to be the bad guys either. Um, Nobody wants to be the bad guys. Somebody has to
1: be. Somebody, I mean, there needs to be rules that should be followed, and if not, consequences. You want these children to grow up to be healthy, flourishing individuals, and just no rules whatsoever, will that help them get there?
0: We don't think so. Well, I think that most... Uh, at least it seems like the step-moms that I talk to, they all know this, and they're usually in this position where, yeah, you know, there there is supposed to be rules that the two of you agreed upon as a partnership, but then when it comes time to carrying through, you know, it doesn't happen. Or all of a sudden it becomes our fault, you know, for their partners because they don't want to really um, execute the rules. So, I think this is, this is one of those, and, you, and I don't know if you agree with this, this is where therapy or having a third party, again, if there's any way you can get a third party, this is where it's really helpful. Third party you both like and trust. And to, to explain the impact on parenting and the children's future and these things, because this is another doom loop that we can fall into. Agreed? Agreed. We talk about this in the Stepmoms Club a lot. Yeah, that yeah. reach
1: out. There is a point in time where the two of you are not communicating well. You're not on the same page. And we
0: highly recommend highly counseling. Ab- absolutely. 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 I think it's insane to do this without help. I really do. Well, just, and just, everybody who ready? does get help, it's
1: helpful. It changes oh, the dynamic. It, it is a breath of
0: fresh air. Right. So yeah, like like think about it like this. You get to an impasse. You know, you said they're gonna to have to do the dishes and you never fall through. It's always me. I don't want to be the evil stepmother. It's bad enough as it is. And then but instead of doing that, you can go, you know what, impasse, I'll call when you're free. Let's go see so and so. Right. There you go. End of end of conversation, end of debilitating. Um Because your relationship Mm -hmm. needs to flourish
1: as well. And Mm -hmm. all these conflicts doesn't help the relationship. That's why we talk talk about the fact it's important to have a date night, a weekly date night, to focus on the two of you. Because you lose the reason why you fell passionately and madly in love somewhere down the road when all this is muddling the waters. Right. And we talk about date night. We talk about sticking with it. Whatever it is you do, take a walk, go to a museum, go to a movie, go to dinner, grab a drink. And the rule, is. Night. rule date night is no talking about the ex, no talking Absolutely. about the kiss. You focus right. on yourself. You work on your relationship. Relationships take work. Commit to it, because you can end up down a rabbit hole.
0: Yep. Yep. No talking about the ex or the, or the kids. That's, that's the other thing that, that creeps up on you, right, that you find that that's all you're ever talking about?
1: Oh, it's um, a conversation all the time. It, it could be something small. It could be something big. But what, uh, you could talk about the, the sky is blue today, and before you know it, you're in an all-deep conversation about the
0: ex, and you don't even know how you got there. No kidding. You know, we're already starting to creep into some of, the, like, um, I, I made a bunch of notes, and one of the next things I was, was my note was that the your partner's fantasy that we're going to be this perfect family and this children's going to adore us and, you know, vice versa. And it's, just, it's going to be as if the divorce never happened, you know, kind of fantasy. Does that ever come up in your conversations?
1: Yes, it
0: comes up. How come it's not working as
1: smoothly as we anticipate? Well, if you did exactly as they had hoped it would be, then you would have no problems. Right. But it's just not that easy. There are too Mm -hmm. many day-to-day issues, conflicts, activities, expectations, you name it, that occur that take over what you expected or what he or she expected this blended family would look like. You think, oh, how, how hard could it be? Okay, it'll be easy. We're just going to be one happy family. Well, think <laughs> of any couple, any family you know. Think of a non-blended family. There are conflicts that come up all the time. Right. And that course doesn't go exactly as you had planned, but the way that you deal with it and the way you handle it yourself internally makes a difference. And that's why we provide this advice and insight and tips as to how to handle things because it's going to happen somewhere at some point. That pothole in the road is happening. And how you handle it makes a difference especially if you're prepared.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, And you know what? This one, this is the classic uh, stepmom conversation. It always is this, what is my role with the kids? Oh, so important. This is is really important because
1: if you haven't had that conversation with your partner, you could really get pulled into a trap because – if you have one thought in your mind as to what your role is going to be and your partner has another, right. you're heading to conflict immediately. And that's why we take yeah, things into it.
0: They can easily be having this thought that, you know, perhaps they don't like their ex and they think that, you know, oh, they're horrible and everything. They may be thinking, great, I'll just find a replacement. They may not be consciously realizing it, but that could be going on. Not uh-huh. happening.
1: We hear that where... The partner thinks you are now the mom. When you're in the home, you're the mom, cooking, right. cleaning, driving, you name it. Mm-hmm.
0: But that's not it's, what you it, thought you were going to be. It, right, especially if you're stay-at-home and and your partner's working. Mm-hmm. That could be. That could be. An issue. Mm -hmm. Not
1: only an issue, but it could be the detriment of your relationship. And so we talked about the whole partner having your back and the communication, which obviously is important in in any relationship. But when it comes to being a stepmom, it is so important to understand really what is your role going to be. Not only the role itself, what are they going to call you? How are you going to be Mm -hmm. introduced? I mean, you might have a thought in your mind and then your partner has another thought and then all of a sudden the children have another thought or the child has another thought. And we talk about family time, like sitting down and having these conversations, knowing what you want to be called. You might not want to have any form of the word mom in your name. You just Mm -hmm. might want to be called by your first name, but your partner Mm -hmm. wants you to have the word mom in what they're calling you. The kids might not mm-hmm. want to call you anything related to mom. And that's okay too. But unless right. you have this dialogue ahead of time, there'll yeah. be a problem down the road. And we mm-hmm. really strongly talk even amongst us. Yeah, how, how quickly if you ha- did you have how quickly did you have that conversation and should you have had it sooner? Right.
0: And if it's in the right kind of, you know, X to even share the conclusions from that meeting with the ex so that, you know, she can feel some relief because that's the other big fear. They're going to call her mom. I'm the only mom, you know, and just say, hey, this is, this is what we're going to do. It. How many times have you heard that one where, like, you know, a stepmom comes into a family and the kids call her, have mom in the title somewhere, and um, that can be a pretty emotional start where their bio mom's concerned. And and that's why I,
1: thinking of putting yourself in the bio mom's shoes right. occasionally it really does help. As much as you hate to admit it, it does
0: help. Yeah, how would you feel? Right. Yeah. And that, and that brings up speaking of being a mom. Um I know in your family you had it, probably other people are talking about it. Handling your bio kids in relationship to your stepkids, rules, et cetera. What came out of your conversations on that subject?
1: Well, it, it, it's interesting. It, it kind of has run the gamut um, from the perspective of how does it all work? How does it really work? And we talk a lot about it's okay. It is okay in your mind to feel differently to act differently it's okay. Mm -hmm. But to verbalize it with others who are not stepmoms, they're not gonna get it. You know, they'll say, Oh, how how hard is it? Oh, you're just blending a family together. Well it no, it's not easy. You know, what are names are they calling each other? Are they saying brother, sister, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. halves again, all these conversations to be having with your partner Prior to the situation arising, and right, it, it was through trial and error. We've all said it's through trial and error. Some things work, some things don't. You, you know, you right. pivot, you bob, you weave. You know, at the end <laughs> of the day, we're all doing the best that we can. We really are, and we're right. trying to make everybody feel welcome and feel loved, and doing it many times in high conflict environments.
0: Exactly. Then that leads us to the next logical subject that I was so glad to see in the book. I thought I was the only one that did it, calling I've hit the wall. Uh, that week when we all wanted to give up, and let me just rephrase, the moments, plural, that we all want just want to give up, about the height of frustration. So I know you write about it. What What are your guys' advice about hitting the wall?
1: It's liberating. I, we it is. find
0: I, it yeah. very, very
1: liberating. It is the moment when you realize it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, how you act, things are not going to change. And when we say hitting the wall, it's not I'm throwing in the towel. It's mm-hmm. I've hit the wall of trying to be everything to everyone. And you're taking back a little bit of who you are and not mm-hmm. just being that stepmom. And we say, it's okay. I have had people in our stepmoms club group hit the wall way into the the beginning of the relationship. And I remember thinking, wow, okay, I don't don't feel that way. I'm doing everything. I'm going everywhere. And I'm watching, and she's happy as a lark, not complaining, sipping her margaritas, having a good old time with a grin on her face. Until you hit that wall and you realize that it is liberating, you will feel like you're that hamster on the wheel. And then once you hit it, it is weight has been lifted from your shoulder and everything just looks a little different. You're still part of the family. You're still the stepmom. You're still engaging. But it doesn't get to you the way things used to. Right.
0: Yeah, it's hard to envision if you're in another stage right now um, so that it doesn't get to you. But the day does come. It it just does.
1: The day know, comes re- and you don't realize it. Sometimes it is at the strangest moment that it happens. And you just right. take a step back and say, I got this. Okay. And then when exactly. it does happen... I- You you wish you did it sooner. You so wish you, like, embrace
0: that impact. (laughs) Right. Like, definitely knock yourself out. Um, Okay. So you know what? Here's the the final question. I warned you I was going to ask it. So if you were forced to give one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Hmm. Ease into it. Ease into it. What? I say Ease, ease into it. I'm sorry. Ease into it with knowledge. Right. Because knowledge is power. Knowing right. what you're getting into will truly help you navigate stepmotherhood.
0: Don't touch It's attention. great advice. It's great advice. Don't you wish it was easy? But I will tell you, um, I... I really enjoyed this book, so I, I highly recommend it. I should probably um, get on Amazon and write a review for you, which I will do. And um, yeah, so it's Stepmoms How to Be a Thanks. Stepmom Without Your Money, Your Mind, and Your Marriage by Kendall Rose. Um, it's worth a read. It's definitely worth a read. And, and, and buy it
1: for a stepmom in mm-hmm. your family.
0: There Absolutely. are
1: 15 million stepmoms out there. Yeah, but most of them baby. are yeah. <laughs> They got bags over their heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, they should, we shouldn't be hiding about it. We should not no, we, be hiding about that we're a stepmother, especially in this day and age.
0: Right, they are definitely fearful for sure. But I appreciate your time so much. This has been just a delight, and we'll have to do it again. We'll just have That's to do it and again. Other parts of, the, of the book, and um, I hope to meet you in person one day. I will send you an email about that. And, again, I thank you so much for your time. And please say hi to all the other women in the club. I and will. invite invite me to a happy hour. I'm there. I would love to thank- have you at one of our happy
1: hours. Thank you so much, and I really do appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh, thanks so much, Kendall. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Bye-bye.